Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. He is the Legislative Director for the Consumer Federation of America. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Travis. Good to be with you. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got and what your position currently is at CFA and what you do with that position. Well, I'm a CFA's legislative uh, director, and uh, what that means is that I uh, coordinate our work uh, in Congress and with federal regulatory agencies in conjunction with uh, many of our issue experts. And just tell us about your background before you got to CFA. Well, uh, it's hard to remember uh, before I got to CFA because I've been here for 13 years. Um, previously, I worked with the um, AARP in New York uh, and in Washington. Uh, and prior to that, in, in the dark ages, uh, I started out as a consumer advocate working with the New York Public Interest Research Group. Very good. All right, before we get into all the different issues that are affecting consumers uh, these days in the financial world, Let's just kind of get an overall sense of where things stand kind of legislatively as far as consumer issues. We've had some major legislation since President Obama came in. Uh, We've had the Dodd-Frank financial regulation. We've had the CARD Act. Uh, We've had all kinds of things in the mortgage area, creating HAMP and HARP and all kinds of ways to help people in the mortgage area. Is, Is your sense that things are better now or worse than when President Obama came in, kind of looking at the whole legislative landscape? Well, for consumers, just looking at things from the consumer point of view, they're better. Uh, in some cases, laws that have been passed are already paying off for consumers. I would say that the Credit Card Accountability, Responsibility, and Disclosure Act falls into that category. In other cases, um, these laws are still being implemented, and there's great promise, but we're not seeing the payoff, the benefits yet, or we're just starting, uh, we're at the very beginning of seeing the payoff, and I would put the creation of the new Federal Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in that category, uh, they're off to a fantastic start, and they're just starting to show what they can do for consumers. Uh, but after all, they're, they're just one year old. So uh, you think there's a lot of progress. There's obviously people on the Republican side who think uh, that most of this has not been necessary. They want to repeal Dodd-Frank. They want to defund the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They think this is all a bunch of new regulations that's adding cost to business and making it worse for consumers and raising fees and, and restricting credit. What is your response to people who say all this has been a, a total uh, regulatory overreach? Well, you know, the debate in Washington, as it is on many topics, is very polarized. You, you, you get a lot of uh, people talking past each other. But from a consumer point of view, uh, what we've learned through the economic crisis in 2008 and then the fallout that followed that, uh, the recession and the many problems that consumers were having with subprime mortgages and other mortgage loans and credit cards, is this. I'm, I'm not going to you know, use the sort of polarized language of Washington. Uh, regulation that's uh, reasonable and fair-minded is absolutely necessary to uh, protect consumers and the larger economy uh, from uh, from problems. Um, now, it is possible to go too far. 
But the truth is that in financial regulation in the last 30 years, that hasn't been the problem. You know, Congress and the regulatory agencies haven't gone too far. Uh, the problem has been uh, that they basically didn't do their job. They let subprime mortgage lending get out of control to the point where it affected the housing market uh, and helped cause the recession. They let credit card problems, problems that my organization was drawing attention to starting in the mid-1990s, get out of control to the point where millions of Americans uh, were facing practices that were just abusive. And finally, Congress acted uh, in a very bipartisan way uh, to stop these abuses. So what do we have now with credit cards? We have a marketplace that, you know, here, here's a Washington term, it's more transparent. Uh, what that means for consumers is uh, it's easier to tell what they're going to charge you and when and how. Uh, we have a marketplace that's fair. Uh, people are not getting hit with unjustified, sudden, sharp uh, interest rate increases for no apparent reason. And it appears to be working well, not just for consumers who are complaining less about their credit cards, but also for credit card companies who, although their profits declined in the wake of the recession and the card act, are now starting to do pretty well financially. Uh, and some are even talking about how the, the new rules are better for consumers. So in general, you're, you're, it's been a positive thing. Now, there hasn't been much in the last year or so uh, as far as new regulations have come along, as far as new laws that have come along. It's mostly implementing the laws that were passed in 2009 2010. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. And that, I think, is going to continue no, no matter who's in charge of the House or the Senate, whether it's Republicans or Democrats or the presidency, for that matter. There, there may well be some efforts to, you know, to um, – repeal certain parts of the uh, Dodd-Frank financial reform law. But I think in general we're entering a period where um, there will be fairly modest adjustments to the laws and the rules. Um, a lot of implementation of those new laws and rules uh, and some time for financial services companies to figure out uh, you know, what, what's expected of them under the, the new laws and rules and a period of stability, hopefully, um, for consumers. Good protections and stability. If the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau does its job, that that will be the outcome for consumers. So are there some – we're going to talk a lot about regulatory changes in various areas of, of personal finance and, and consumer finance, but are there some major legislative uh, initiatives that CFA has, laws that you still think need to be passed to protect consumers in various ways that have not been done? Well, we're, you know, as always, we are supporting uh, legislation to help improve things for uh, consumers in the financial services marketplace. Representative uh, Carolyn Maloney, for example, has legislation in dealing with uh, so-called overdraft loans. But, um, you know, we We've got one party controlling the House and one party controlling the Senate. Uh, and so this year and probably next year and the year after, passage of legislation is unlikely. The main changes for consumers will involve implementing the laws that have recently been enacted and new, new improvements brought on by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. If the Republicans were to get elected, 
uh, both take the presidency. Let's say they take the House and the Senate and the presidency. Could they repeal Dodd-Frank and the Card Act and some of these things? I mean, is it even possible to repeal these things and bring the clock back to where it was before those laws were, were uh, enacted? Well, uh, nobody's talking about repealing the Card Act. It's very popular with consumers, and it had pretty broad bipartisan support uh, in Congress. It passed the Senate, for example, 90 to 5. Not too many bills passed the Senate 90 to 5. When it comes to Dodd-Frank, it's true um, that um, Mitt Romney has said that he wants to repeal Dodd-Frank, uh, but um, not even the um, financial services companies that opposed Dodd-Frank at the time are calling for outright repeal anymore. So um, they understand that once something is implement, implemented, it's somewhat hard to undo it. So. Despite uh, Mitt Romney's rhetoric, I would be surprised if we saw wholesale efforts to repeal Dodd-Frank. What we probably will see are targeted efforts to uh, roll back, for example, some of the powers and authority of the CFPB. And, and can they do it, not even legislation, but just defunding? Is that a, a way of kind of taking away the, the power of agencies, just not giving them the funds they need to do their jobs? Well, they'd have to go through an extra step before they did that because, for example, the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is not funded through congressional appropriations. But that is one of the changes that uh, uh, Republicans in Congress say they want. They want the ability to um, appropriate, to you know, determine how much money the CFPB is getting and then where they don't like the direction of CFPB, they want the ability to revoke funds. It's actually uh, for that reason, uh, and because other bank regulators do not get appropriated congressional funds, that the CFPB is not uh, funded that way. They are funded uh, through uh, funds that are turned over by the Federal Reserve Board to provide them with some measure of independence from efforts by um, special interests to uh, reduce their funding because they don't like what the CFPB is doing. So, so the, the insulation that they were set in the first place is, is working to some extent because they would be under attack uh, as far as their budget yeah, otherwise. I mean, uh, we see this all the time in Washington. Uh, it, it almost never happens that a um, member of Congress, you know, targets a consumer agency's budget um, because they don't do enough for consumers. The reality in Washington is that it's the, you know, it's the, in, the moneyed interest, the, the banks and, and others who go to members of Congress and say, you know, we'd like you to attach a rider to the appropriations bill. Um, in, in the case of some of the other consumer agencies, of course, it's not banks. Um, because um, banks are regulated by bank regulators in the CFPB. But it's the, it's the forces that are opposed to consumer protections that are typically targeting consumer agencies like the Consumer Product Safety Commission, for example, with uh, so-called riders that would reduce funding for specific things because they've been contacted by uh, industry interests and moneyed interests and um, 
are trying to send a message to those agencies. Yeah, okay. All right, we're going to get into a whole bunch of specific issues. Uh, we're going to talk about arbitration and payday lending, uh, the whole mortgage market, overdraft lending, the uh, consumer credit reporting, all kinds of other issues uh, in our next segment. Um, and so we'll be back after this. My uh, guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. He is Legislative Director at the Consumer Federation of America. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and we'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. He is the Legislative Director at the Consumer Federation of America. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Good to be back. It's been about a year since the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was set up as part of the Dodd-Frank regulations. Why don't you just briefly go over some of the major accomplishments that they've had um, in the last year, and then we'll go into some areas you think they could improve on in the future. Well, first, um, good news for consumers. Uh, it, there's one agency now, or one federal agency, dealing with financial consumer problems. used to be uh, five. Uh, but most of the authority for enforcing financial consumer laws like the Truth and Lending Act has been taken away from those other agencies and given to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. This was not a case of uh, Congress layering on, uh, you know, a new bureaucracy. They actually took authority away from other agencies. So in the last year, um, one of the things they've been doing is just getting going, hiring staff. They have close to a 1,000 staff now. And they're really starting to uh, show their impact. For example, they've set up a new complaint handling system dealing with problems with mortgages, student loans, bank accounts, 
car loans, and credit cards. And they're starting to do something. No federal agency outside of the Consumer um, Product Safety Commission has done, which is make available to the public uh, complaints filed by consumers like you get on other websites. They check these complaints out to make sure that they're um, issued, you know, that they real people made them, <laughs> that they're not fake. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, starting with credit cards, they've started to make available a complaint database so consumers can not only have their complaints investigated, but they can also compare uh, companies based on the you know complaints they're getting and the uh, types of complaints they're getting. So that is uh, that is virtually unprecedented for a federal agency. Uh, I think what the CFPB is trying to do is is be a, a modern agency, not a stodgy agency that doesn't really affect consumers. They've issued their first new rule um, that they were required to issue for um, uh, under the Dodd Frank Act for people who send money to their families in other countries. This is called, uh, these are called remittances, just to make sure that people are being told what the costs are um, of sending these remittances and that they're getting an accurate cost estimate. Is that because there were very high fees being charged for money transfers overseas? Yeah, there were lots and lots of complaints of uh, essentially ripoffs, people being charged a lot more than they were uh, told they would be charged for sending money overseas. So it doesn't change that. It just has to be notified that you're getting charged a lot. It doesn't put any kind of caps on what people can be charged for money transfers. Is that right? Correct. But I mean, often does, in, in Washington, does, they just think if you... say that if you make an estimate, it has to be an accurate estimate. Mm. I mean, often it seems that the way Washington works is they think if you... Uh, disclose something that it solves it. It just discloses it. It doesn't. Well, that isn't always the case, but if you tell, in this case, if you tell companies that they, they can't do add-on fees and charges and just take it out of the money you're sending, uh, you can do a lot of good. That, you know, they're going to be held legally liable if they, um, deceive people into thinking that the cost of sending the money is actually less than it really is. Uh-huh. So a third um, item is, for the first time ever, the CFPB will have full authority to investigate and examine the largest credit bureaus. And so what does examine mean? Th- this is a tool that bank agencies have that a lot of folks aren't familiar with, but it involves going in and checking their books and looking at, at their practices um, to-, to make sure that they're doing the right thing uh, under the consumer laws. They've also um, started to deal with um, issues that are important to people who have student loans, putting out some pretty good information uh, on uh, how you can estimate what your student loan costs are. Um, They put out a a report last week on problems with private student loans, uh, and they're starting to do a lot of work uh, on student loans because for many people it is, a, a serious form of debt. Uh, student loans have now exceeded credit card loans in, in the size uh, of, of debt um, accumulated by all Americans. So what can the people who have a lot of student loans, how are they going to be helped by what the CFPB has put out? 
Well, what they're starting uh, with is just basic consumer information uh, and then basic information about the marketplace. Um, so the the loan tool I mentioned is called Know Before You Owe, and it's just a simpler, shorter, easier-to-understand um, uh, way to assess what your student loan costs are. And the hope here is that it will help people encourage um, college students and their families to um, become aware of the available federal student loans that, that they could get uh, and consider the, the higher costs of private student loans because research shows that people often don't take out as many federal loans as they're eligible for, instead opting for private student loans, which are often very well advertised but uh, can cause them serious problems if they can't afford them. So, again, it's kind of in the disclosure area. It's, it's not affecting yep. interest rates or anything like that. Well, I, I, I think the theme here is that in the beginning they focused more on disclosure. Uh, for one thing, that's easier to do quickly. Uh, I think over time that will change. They, um, they for example, uh, initiated their first enforcement action against Capital One a little over a week ago, and um, they they fined them over $200 million um, and assessed a penalty, a uh, combined penalty from the CFPB and another federal agency of $60 million. And so it takes time to do that kind of investigation. It took them about a year, but they are starting to get to substantive protections and enforcement of existing law. The, um, the investigation I, I mentioned was because Capital One was uh, not accurately giving people information about so-called add-on products, credit, credit protection that protects you if you, you have to buy it, but if you uh, can't pay your credit card bill, then uh, credit protection is supposed to pay it, at least in part. And they were also... Um, adding on credit monitoring uh, products that monitor your, uh, your credit report. What the CFPB found was that they were being um, deceptive about what the costs were. Uh, in, in some cases, they were being fraudulent and actually uh, charging people for these products even though they never approved it. So this, is a, this has been a serious problem, actually, in a number of respects for years, and the fact that the CFPB um, launched this as their first enforcement action is a sign that they really are getting serious about real abuses in the marketplace. What has been the industry reaction so far to the CFPB's both rules and enforcement actions like this? Well, it's a good question. You might want to talk to various industry uh, folks about it. My sense is uh, that while there are some objections to specific actions they've taken, in general, the CFPB is getting good reviews from various parts of the financial services industry because they're, um, they, they're very good at talking to all parties, listening well, I've, I've heard a number of industry representatives say that this agency is actually more willing to listen to them, to their point of view, 
than other bank agencies, which in theory were friendlier to their interests. So they're getting good reviews for their openness uh, and, and for um, being data-driven uh, and fact-driven and for not, um, you know, initiating sudden efforts without the kind of background research that needs to be done. On the other hand, they're getting good reviews from people like me because they're moving uh, pretty strongly to start to protect consumers. So that's a hard, uh, that's a hard achievement to, to get both uh, plaudits from both the consumer and the industry side, but they appear to be doing it pretty well. Great. All right, well, now let's get into some of the specific issues uh, that are kind of going forward. You still need, think needs need to be changed. The first one is arbitration. Uh, now, as part of uh, Dodd Frank, uh, the, the uh, it's proposing that forced elimination uh, arbitration be eliminated from consumer contracts. Where does that stand? What do you think is going to happen there? Well, where it stands is they've asked everybody to tell them what kind of study they, they should do as required by the law, as you said. And um, they, um, so that, you know, they're getting sort of comments and suggestions there from people like me and folks from uh, various financial services uh, companies. And then at some point they will start uh, their report. We're getting into the list of things, the you know, real protections that consumer groups would like them to complete. And we, we want them not only to do a high-quality study, as they're required to do as soon as possible, but also to recommend the elimination of forced-place arbitration and consumer contracts. Uh, our, our view is that um, a lot of people may not know it, but many, many uh Consumer contracts in, in the financial area, especially, uh, have these clauses. Most people almost never see them. They're often buried in the fine print at the end of the agreements you get, for example, um, when you get a credit card. What they say, though, is that uh, you are bound. You cannot uh, take any problem you have uh, into private litigation to an attorney to sue for relief. Rather, what you have to do uh, is you have to go to a uh, so-called arbitration firm paid for usually um, by the company in question uh, it, who, who deals with uh, the, the third-party firm often deals with this company on many, many arbitration uh, cases, uh, and you have to go through arbitration first. So this isn't a choice. I mean, we're all, we're all for giving people a choice of arbitration. This is called binding mandatory arbitration. Uh, people what has have been no the choice. result so far of these arbitrations? Do most of them go the industry's way, or they, have the rulings been kind of even? Uh, most do go industry's way. Uh, not surprising, given that there's an inherent conflict of interest, really, uh, because these arbitration firms, uh, uh, some of which have gotten into serious trouble for this, uh, are, are getting a lot of money uh, from from the people who they are supposed to, um, you know, evaluate in terms of their actions. So that's the first problem. The second problem, which is often um, doesn't get very much attention, is that uh, there's a fair amount of evidence that people simply don't pursue their problems. 
they have with their various with various financial services companies because they're required to to go through this extra step. So it's just too much work and too much time and effort and so on to do. So yeah. So it it what these binding mandatory arbitration clauses look like in terms of why these companies are requiring them is an effort to stop people from going to court, not a serious effort to resolve their problems. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Gooden of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. He's legislative director at the Consumer Federation of America. And when we come back, we'll talk about all kinds of other issues affecting consumers in the financial realm today. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. He's Legislative Director of the Consumer Federation of America. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Good to be with you. Uh, another big area of concern is payday lending. Um, and banks have been charging enormous interest rates uh, so high that people just can't pay these things back. What are some of the abuses going on in payday lending now, and what are some of the proposed fixes for that uh, before the CFPB? Well, uh, there are two types of payday lending. Uh, the best-known variety, uh, which is only legal in some states, not all states, involves stores that sell so-called payday loans 
typically these are short-term loans of, um, you know, a, a week to two weeks. Uh, as collateral, you either write a post-dated check or agree to allow them to take the money directly out of your bank account. Uh, as you say, the interest rates are very high. They start at about 400% interest. And, um, you know, they're all over certain parts of the country, especially the South uh, and the West. The second variety um, is, is a little newer, but these are payday loans being offered by banks. Uh, they're often called account advances. But same theory, uh, very high cost, relatively short term. Um, you uh, either have to pay them off or roll them over um, because you can't pay them off uh, within a, a week or two. Problems are that many people can't afford these loans, and it's it's the very high cost that's due very quickly that is the problem. So a lot of these loans, especially for the so-called storefront payday lenders, are uh, are rollovers. You take out one loan, you you can't pay it back uh, within the allotted week to two weeks. So you have to roll it over, incur uh, another charge that you know raises your interest rate, uh, but you still owe um, the underlying principal, and you owe even more uh, on interest. So, for example, in um, you know a, a lot of research has shown that uh, on average, um, people who take out payday loans take out loans for a, a, a good part of the year because they're rolling them over and can't afford to pay them back. So that's a serious problem. Uh, another serious problem is that um, if you've given them uh, access to your bank account or the ability to um, deposit a check that you didn't have the money for before payday, but in theory you do after payday, then uh, that's money coming out of your account right away um, that uh, at that point you might choose to spend on more important necessities like food or rent. Especially with a bank account, we're concerned about giving payday lenders or banks uh, first access, first crack at your bank account. Uh, we think that is a, a serious problem, and we'll be encouraging the CFPB to deal with it. So what, are you, what specific remedies are you proposing? Are you saying they should be banned altogether, payday loans? Well, it, you know, there are different ways to uh, regulate uh, payday loans. Uh, the CFPB cannot regulate the cost of the loans. They are forbidden by Congress from uh, putting caps on, on the interest rates. That's going to be up to the states, and a, a number of states have done it. And Congress has done it for members of the military. It's called the Military Lending Act, and it says that for certain types of short-term loans, including payday loans, Members of the military can't be charged more than 36% interest. But um, it, it really is up to the states uh, it, when it comes to everybody else and these so-called storefront payday lenders. So the states have done that for years, uh, decades, um, and some states are very restrictive when it comes to payday loans and essentially don't allow them um, unless they're very, very low cost. Uh, when it comes to other practices, like controlling access to the bank account um, and making sure that uh, payday lenders don't condition a loan 
on first crack at your bank account, the CFPB can act. So you expect to have some action in this area then? Well, we don't know. As they said they're concerned. Uh, they're looking to both the bank and the payday loans. They've held what they called a field hearing in Alabama about it. Uh, and they're investigating and collecting information and data. They also have the ability to, uh, to examine uh, non-bank storefront payday lenders to look at their practices. Once again, this is the first time that's ever happened at the federal level, which they are starting to do. So their job is to, um, you know, to look into this. They haven't told us what they're going to do yet. They have solicited comments from us and, and uh, all the payday lenders and everybody else as to what they should do. And what we'd like to see them do is act on some of these uh, abusive practices uh, in the next year. Okay, good. Let's move to another issue, which is uh, mortgage servicing. Um, what have been the abuses in mortgage servicing, and what do you propose the Bureau do about it? Well, so mortgage servicing is um, – these are the people who um, you pay uh, when you um, take out a mortgage loan. They are, in most cases, not the people that you got the loan from. Uh, those folks – uh, often sell the loans to servicers who just, you know, basically service your account. And in parts of the country that have had serious problems with foreclosures, uh, there has been a fair amount of um, uh, unfair be behavior and um, uh, bad behavior by, by servicers, uh, especially if the the consumers got into mortgage trouble. There have been unfair, abusive, and deceptive practices. A lot of folks have heard about robo-signing, uh, which was uh, le legal documents uh, being automatically signed by the servicing banks uh, when they shouldn't have been. They should have uh, been dealt with uh, in, in court proceedings. But there have been other abuses involving uh, consumers who have um, had trouble paying their mortgage loans, um, many, many, many complaints uh, involving things like people not uh, being told um, that they could qualify for uh, programs to refinance their homes, paperwork being lost, companies foreclosing on your home when you're in the middle of a refinancing or you're, uh, you've been told that you qualify for one of the government programs you mentioned earlier, like HAMP, uh, to um, refinance your home at a lower rate so it's more affordable. And right now the CFPB is looking at these problems. They've said they're very, very serious, and they're working with other federal bank regulators to, to develop rules of the road uh, to eliminate these abuses. And so what are you proposing that they do uh, after they've done the study? What, what uh, actions would you like them to take in the mortgage servicing area? Well, um, there's, a, there's a rulemaking going on dealing with uh, servicing and with mortgage underwriting, the affordability of mor mortgage loans. And we've recommended uh, a, a bunch of um, rules that, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on that would prevent – some of the abusive practices that I, I've, 
I've talked about. Okay. Well, let's go to another area, which is overdraft lending. Um, people that have been charged very high fees uh, when they go over over their credit lines uh, or over what they have in their checking accounts. What, what is the problem with overdraft lending, and what do you propose uh, be done to solve that? Well, overdraft lending uh, is often targeted at people who can afford it the least. These are loans, um, very high-cost loans, that um, are, are given when you overdraw your account. Uh, the, um, you know, sort of the classic example is you, you go to a coffee shop like Starbucks and buy a $4 cup of coffee you either uh, accidentally or because you weren't paying attention as you should have overdraw your account and you're charged a single fee of $35 uh, for, you know, 4 or $5 cup of coffee. Uh, it's become a major source of income for banks of all sizes. It is different than the kind of overdraft um, loans that banks used to offer that were at a very a fairly low uh, rate of interest. Um, when I first got a bank account many years ago, I was offered uh, an over- overdraft protection of about, oh, I don't know, $200 at uh, an interest rate that was, you know, in the teens. If you calculate the cost of these loans according to, uh, you know, the uh, annual percentage rate there, you know, they're very high, hundreds of percent. So the basic problem is that uh, – Lower income bank uh, account holders, younger bank account holders, and minority bank account holders uh, take out the majority of uh, overdraft loans, and they're very, very expensive. The other problem is that in some cases, uh, banks use uh, abusive practices to increase the amount of these loans. The um, the example uh, that we highlight that we've been trying to get uh, restricted as an abusive practice for years is a, is called account reordering. So they they you know they they clear your uh, debits whether it be checks or debit card purchases not in the order in which you made the purchase or you wrote the check, but they clear them from the largest from the biggest size to the smallest size. So what happens if you clear the rent check? Of you know, say I don't know, a thousand dollars before you clear fifteen little debit card purchases uh, that were made after that. Uh, if if your account is very low, you will um, you will incur overdraft charges on all fifteen of those debits. Really can add up then, yeah. It can add up, and uh, it, it's it's an unfair practice. In, in the case of the banks that are still doing this, they're manipulating their account procedures to jack up the overdraft fees that they charge. Okay, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. Uh, he's the Legislative Director at the Consumer Federation of America. You can see very knowledgeable about all these areas affecting consumers and how they deal with uh, financial institutions. We'll be back after this.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Travis Plunkett. He is the Legislative Director at the Consumer Federation of America. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Hello. Before we uh, get back into some issues, just tell people about the website uh, that CFA has and what kind of things they can find on that website. Well, our website is consumerfed.org. That's consumerfed.org. And uh, there's a lot of information up on all the financial issues we're talking about, plus uh, the other consumer issues that we follow, food safety, uh, product safety, um, energy issues, uh, et cetera. We have um, a, a lot of research reports, information on what Congress is doing or, or it's not, um, information on our upcoming events and conferences and things like that. And is there uh, financial edu- educational information on there about these issues as well? Yes, there is. Uh, in some cases, there are tips uh, for consumers. Okay, very good. So, again, consumerfed.org, people can take a look there. Okay, another area that uh, is, is quite controversial is credit reporting and the credit reporting agencies. Uh, the big three, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, have a lot of control over people's lives they don't often understand. What, what is the problem with credit reporting agencies, and what do you expect to happen there? Well, there have been a number of longstanding uh, problems, and they may have been exacerbated, uh, you know, by the the recession, um, where so many people's credit worthiness has been uh, badly affected. The longstanding uh, problems are continued concerns about the accuracy of credit reports. That is, uh, th- this is information that is collected uh, essentially without your permission. On your credit worthiness, you know, ha- how many credit accounts you have and whether you pay them on time. And, uh, there have been, uh, concerns raised by research over the years, including a report about a decade ago by my organization 
as to whether all of this information is accurate and complete. Both matter. That is, uh, sometimes there are just plain errors. They get the wrong information or they mix it up with somebody else. Uh, but sometimes uh, incomplete information, positive information, can hurt you as well. Uh, that is, uh, if they leave off information about how you've been paying your bills on time uh, and your credit uh, accounts in particular on time for many years, that could actually lower your credit worthiness and your credit score. So accuracy and completeness is one issue. Another issue is if you have a problem with accuracy and completeness, uh, you're supposed to be able to resolve uh, those problems quickly with the credit bureaus. And there uh, have been many complaints over the years that the dispute resolution system that credit bureaus use is biased in favor of um, the credit furnishers, the people who give you credit. Now, there was the FACTA law passed a few years ago, which gave consumers rights to correct errors. Has that been effective? Well, it's helped in some ways. I worked on the, the Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Law, and it, it, for example, allows you to get access to your credit report free from each of the three major credit bureaus once a year. Uh, it, it attempted to clean up problems with accuracy and completeness in the dispute resolution system, but uh, it, it seems that uh, there may need to be more action on both. So you're asking for uh, regulatory rules or, or legislation needed in this area? Well, in this case, now that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has the authority to to look at the practices uh, of the credit bureaus, we'll be asking the CFPB to deal with it. So, so no legislation needed, you think? Not that we see at this point. Uh-huh. Okay, so how would it be different for consumers if what you're proposing goes into effect? How would consumers be able to make their credit reports more accurate or correct errors and so on compared to the way it's done today? Well, uh, the short answer is uh, it, by cleaning up the credit reports and making sure that they're more accurate uh, and more complete uh, and by uh, making sure that if you have a problem, if you have a dispute, it gets dealt with fast. I mean, I, I've heard complaints over the years from people who, who say that it can take a year or two for a false or erroneous piece of information on their credit report that's harming them uh, to be removed. So the short answer is if the CFPB does its job well, uh, the accuracy and completeness of credit reports is going to increase. Uh, and that means that people who deserve access to low-cost credit because they have a, a, a high credit score um, but who have been harmed because of false or incomplete information uh, will do better. Very good. Okay, another area you're interested in is uh, prepaid cards. Uh, what are some of the issues about prepaid cards, and what is the problem now, and what, how do you think it should be uh, improved? Well, this is a fast-growing part of the financial services market, especially for people who are having a harder time affording their bank accounts. Um, and uh, so what's a prepaid card? Sometimes they're called reloadable cards. You, it's not a credit card. You, you, know, you buy the card, you put a certain amount of money on the card, and then you use it uh, not just to buy things but in, in some cases uh, to pay bills uh, and, and, you know, really as a substitute for a bank account in many cases. Uh, 
So huge, huge part of the market that's growing very fast, and we want to provide the same level of protections that consumers have with prepaid cards uh, as for what they have with credit cards. So if you have a dispute, there need to be federal rules uh, to make sure that prepaid card issuers, uh, you know, listen to you and fix the problem quickly. If the card's stolen, there need to be rules about uh, what happens if somebody steals the car and uses the money on the card, as there are with credit cards, minimum liability requirements. And uh, there also needs to be protection if the company that issues you the card goes insolvent um, through FDIC insurance, for example. And they need to forbid uh, – uh, this is a very big issue – they need to forbid companies from turning a, a, a what is essentially a debit card, a prepaid card, into a credit card by uh, allowing you to incur credit at very, very high costs. And they need to improve disclosures about what they charge for fees. So that's a long list. Um, this is an un- unknown part of the financial services market to many people, but it's growing fast. And what is your outlook for changes in that area? Well, the CFPB is on top of it. They've asked for people to provide their suggestions. By people, I mean regular people, too, <laughs> not just uh, consumer groups and, and uh, financial companies, uh, to provide their suggestions on uh, what they should do. And uh, I think there's a very good chance that in the next year uh, the CFPB will, will act to provide some you know, strong rules of the road for prepaid card companies to make sure that um, – they provide consumers with good information, uh, don't overcharge them, uh, and uh, the consumers are protected in a number of different ways. Very good. Thanks so much. My uh, guest this hour has been Travis Plunkett, uh, Legislative Director at the Consumer Federation of America. Uh, we've given a very good overview of all the different financial issues going on and ways things are changing and hopefully getting better for consumers. And again, the website uh, to find out more about uh, CFA is consumerfed.org. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Travis. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next